Hi, everyone. This is Jeff. Uh, this is my podcast, People Conversations. And today I'm talking with Victor Tiffany, who is uh, a big figure in the Burning Our Bus movement. And uh, Burning Our Bus came up quite a lot during my DNC coverage on Citizens Media TV. And uh, since a lot of my interviews had pieces of Burning Our Bus in it, I decided to take those pieces and make an article out of it. Uh, about Burning Your Bust, and I figured why not talk to uh, someone who knows much more about it than I do. Um, so, Victor, uh, thank you very much for, for doing this, especially on such short notice. Um, could you uh, introduce yourself well, Introduce yourself and tell us, you know, uh, your involvement with Burning Your Bust, and uh, then I have a lot of questions for you. Sure, it's a pleasure to uh, talk to you today. I'm the co-founder of Revolt Against Plutocracy. It's an organization that arose out of uh, a Facebook page originally called Citizens Against Plutocracy. And the whole concept of Bernier Bust evolved from a conversation I had on a street corner in Ithaca of, in late April of 2015, uh, lamenting that Bernie ran as a Democrat because our thinking was he could probably win a general election, but he may not win uh, Democratic primaries because they were rigged the way they are with uh, superdelegates and Super Tuesdays and everything else they have set up to basically block insurgent candidates. And uh, we were wishing, you know, how do we get him into the general election? He doesn't want to run as a spoiler if you run him as a third-party candidate, he could sue and get his name taken off uh, the ballot for a minor third-party uh, candidacy. And my friend said, well, what about a writing campaign? And at the time, it seemed like the perfect answer, yes, a writing campaign. So we started uh, the idea of getting people to pledge to write in Bernie Sanders in the general election if he's not the Democratic Party nominee, thinking that that would serve as leverage. If people knew that he was going to be on the ballot, not on the ballot, but people are going to be voting for him either way, whether he's on the ballot or not, you know, it would serve as leverage that people would uh, have to nominate him for the Democratic Party, or else they're going to lose in November. That was the original thinking. And originally, we actually called the pledge win. We didn't use Bernie or Bus initially. Um, WINS was an acronym, right in November-Sanders. And then we established our Twitter account, and we were looking for a name to use on Twitter, and the co-founder of Revolt Against Plutocracy sent me two or three ideas, all of which were already taken. And this was way back in July of 2015. He came back one late morning and said, I just saw this on Facebook. Try Bernie or Bus, which, to my surprise, was available. And it was about a week after that before him and I just realized holy mackerel, this thing is gold. Let's just call the pledge the Bernie or Bust Pledge. And uh, it, it took off. I mean, we, got, we, we had everything in place 
that we wanted to have in place by the Democratic National Convention that we that we could have hoped for. In fact, we, we even had more. Our spokesperson, Yane Indigo, who popped up on CNN during a, a panel discussion announcing that she's burning her bus, that uh, if, if Sanders wasn't the Democratic Party nominee, she was going to be voting for Joe Stein. And it was by then that we had figured out a write-in campaign was actually a very dumb idea. Uh, we had answers for everybody who was criticizing the whole approach. You know, you had Hillary people accusing us of being right-wingers. We had great response to that. We had some Bernie people who were afraid that this was going to get the Republican elected. We had answers to that. But um, we kept seeing people out of California warning us, if you write in a candidate who's not on the ballot, your entire ballot will be, uh, I'm sorry, if you write in a candidate who's not registered with the state, your entire ballot will get thrown out. I saw that not once, not two times, but three times the same concern. And it dawned on us, this is a serious problem. We don't have an answer for this. And after a couple of weeks of discussion trying to figure out on the committee, the Revolt Against Democracy Committee, we finally figured out, we came up with a compromise idea. We would keep Bernie or bust rather than converting it over to, say, Bernie or Green. But we just added the option for the pledge. We'll either write in Sanders or vote Green, thinking down the road after all this settles down, we would then make it very clear that the only real serious option uh, for November, if Sanders is not the party nominee, if this strategy does not work, would be to vote uh, for the Green Party candidate. At the time, we, we didn't know who it was going to be, and it, of course it turns out to be Joe Stein. So once we saw Yane pop up on CNN, we reached out to her on Twitter. We asked her to be our spokesperson, which she readily agreed to, and uh, she's from Philadelphia. So it was perfect. She had a media team in place. We, we, we held our press conference as, as uh, planned. Everything went on our end according to plan. The problem is the superdelegates just didn't care. They don't care that they're going to lose to Donald Trump in November because probably because the system's rigged. Either they know Trump uh, has no intention whatsoever of trying to win, and it looks like he's trying to lose, or they know the voting machines are rigged, and they don't have to worry about people voting for the Green Party candidate, because even if Jill Stein gets 45% of the popular vote, she's not going to win because the voting machines are rigged for uh, Hillary Clinton. So for whatever reason, superdelegates chose to ignore our letter that we sent to them, 95% plus of the of the superdelegates, got our letter telling them our plan, that Bernie or Bust is not uh, a 2016 version of party unity, my ass. We don't, uh, we don't believe Hillary Clinton, we don't like her, and we don't trust her, and we're not going to support her in any way. And we also pointed out to them that Revolt Against Autocracy has a super PAC, and we're going to take off the limits that we self-impose thousand dollars maximum per person out of respect for 
Senator Sanders' opposition to super PACs, we're going to, you know, take off those limits, and we're, we're going to come after Hillary Clinton in swing state uh, leading up to the general election to defeat her. They didn't care. They didn't. They, I, either they preferred Donald Trump to Bernie Sanders, or the system's rigged, or they know Trump is going to take a dive and lose this thing intentionally. So for whatever reason, they chose to ignore us. They nominated Hillary Clinton. And uh, we are now in full shift from Bernie or bus to Jill or bus. Wow. So you actually created the term Bernie or bus, or do you know exactly where you got it from? You, it was, you said that... Yeah. Uh, Patrick saw it as a comment to a post on Facebook, and we actually had a woman from California get a hold of us and tell us that she had been using that phrase because, uh, it, it, you know, the whole idea of California or bust was very, very popular. So, so I don't remember her name offhand, but she, but she was probably the first one in the country to start using it, and it's very likely she's the one who typed that into a comment on Facebook that Patrick noticed and uh, and then emailed me and said, let's, let's try Bernie or Bus. That's pretty cool. If, it would be pretty exciting if we could find the true provenance of that of that phrase. If you could find that person, or if Patrick could find that person, or take us or a link to that that comment, that'd be pretty neat to be able to trace that back all the way to the very beginning. Yeah, I think I saved her email. I've been trying to save uh, a lot of the correspondences and the development of this whole process because when it's all done after November eighth, I'm planning on sitting down and writing the book, Bernie or Bus, nice. A Labor of Love. Nice. Excellent. I, I really appreciate that. If uh, if you could give some pointers to to uh, nail down this providence, I think that would be pretty neat. Um, so I, 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 should, I covered a lot of the DNC. I mean a lot of it, uh, around six hours a day on Citizens Media TV on Facebook, which is... Facebook.com, Citizens Media TV, and uh, it was a pretty incredible experience. Uh, I wouldn't say it was fun, um, but it was really meaningful um, because I got to communicate the truth to the people who really wanted to know the truth uh, and not just view mainstream media's very polished, unity, happy, happy, joy, joy view. Um, and... Uh, you know, we, we captured the walkout. Uh, I did four hours of the walkout. I did, uh, I, we we got, not me personally, but a fellow correspondent got really, ex- I mean, genuinely exclusive coverage of the gate breach. And you'll have to tell me if you know what or don't know what I'm talking about on Wednesday night, um, which just really exciting things. And in a bunch of these interviews, Bernie or Bust came up. And uh, the the Bernie or bust, I think, in a way, is an excellent term, and uh, in, in a way, I think, is an unfortunate term because Bernie or bust could be easily interpreted as Bernie or I'm not voting, and I don't think that's what it yeah. really. I don't think that's what it really is. 
Um, I addressed I think, that in my speech at the Bernie or Bus rally in, in, in uh, Thomas Bain Plaza that uh, it, it never, ever uh, meant staying home. Uh, and I pointed out that staying home is, is, is not hip, it's not cool, it's not being ironic, it's being played. It, 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 it's the same as silence, right? Silence is consent, staying home is consent. If you want to see the, the establishment continue to roll the, the workers in this, in this country, then staying home is the right thing to do. But if you want to rise up and take a stand, uh, a revolutionary stand that, uh, that uh, Senator Sanders uh, initiated, then the only revolutionary left standing for, for this election is Jill Stein. So I, I, I made that clear. It, it's not about staying off. I want to uh, talk about that walkout. I didn't realize. I knew there was a bunch of people in the media tent when I was in uh, FDR Park. That's all I knew. I didn't realize it was part of a walkout. Until oh, you were I got out there? I, I wish I knew I was, you were out there. I would have. I yeah, I was, I was there uh, about the time they were in the media tent. And then, of course, that was the the night that they dominated Hillary. So we were listening to the the uh, the votes as they came in, state by state. The nomination of and Hillary was what triggered the walkout. The nomination, yeah. And, uh, uh, right. And so that's, that, I didn't realize there was a walkout until I got to the apartment and I got on my laptop. And I, it was actually on Twitter that I saw Josh Fox's video inside the the, the hall of all these empty seats, and it hit me, my God, they did it. We, we, uh, we were push, promoting that quietly, not, not in any broad, systematic way, the way that uh, Movement for Bernie and Occupy Wall Street were pushing for a walkout. But, but I have been uh, quietly pushing for something, for a walkout, at that moment, since uh, late June, I believe, I started dropping that on Facebook uh, delegate pages and one-on-one to uh, Bernie delegates for quite a while. So there are actually three organizations, Revolt Against Democracy, Movement for Bernie and Occupy Wall Street, who are all pushing for that. And when I saw that, when I, when I saw that they had actually gone ahead and walked out, I thought at that time, wow, this changes things. This means even if the establishment doesn't realize it, they're not in control anymore. The, the, the people are in control. So I, I stayed another day, contacted Yane the next morning, and she and I acquired um, passes to get in to the DNC. Um, really? Not that we wanted to get in. Yeah, not that we wanted to get into the DNC. We, we made our way to the media tent and held a press conference around, we didn't actually get it started until close to 8 p.m. We held a press conference to basically let the Democrats know that uh, the establishment was not in control anymore, and we were going to be coming after Hillary Clinton if they go, unless they turn this thing around and nominate Bernie, change the rules, do whatever they had to do, we were going to do everything we could to defeat Hillary Clinton. Now, just one more point about that press conference. We went all over the media tent, you know, notifying 
the Hill, and and all these media organizations that we were holding this press conference, probably over 100 media organizations were notified of this, and probably a half dozen showed up to hear what we had to say. So, and that's been the case with Burn Your Bus all along. The Fourth Estate is is really asleep at the wheel when it comes to this movement. Uh, MSNBC never mentioned the phrase Burn Your Bus until after the DNC when uh, I saw Rachel Maddow ask Bernie, or Bernie Sanders about it. You know, this is a problem. These Bernie or Bus people, what are you going to do about it? But they, they, they refused to mention it, even though we were tweeting them virtually every day. You know, when are you going to start covering Bernie or Bus? I'd like it, to know what... Really- I'd like to know what uh, Bernie's response was to Rachel Maddow. This is a problem. He's Bernie or Buster. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember his his uh, his answer. I've never I've never known him to throw to throw you guys under the bus. He uh, absolutely did not. In fact, uh, I met with Ben. Oh, what's his last name? A surrogate. Former president of NAACP. Ben Jealous. I saw him Sunday night before the DNC up in Germantown, and, and asked him about that. When did the campaign know about Bernie or Bust? And, and it's interesting because they never denounced us. And he said, no, we wouldn't. Yeah, it's great. I've, I've never known Bernie to, to, to throw any constituent under the bus. I mean, people felt thrown under the bus when he said we must elect Hillary Clinton. But I had actually had a, a distinct argument with a guy uh, about the distinction between we must support Hillary, we we must get Hillary Clinton elected, and you must vote for Hillary Clinton. He never says as he has never said you must vote for Hillary Clinton. He has said. No, what he has said is, he has said I, is I we must tell. support Hillary. We must get Hillary Clinton elected yeah, because he's, he's before that he said I I can't just snap my fingers and tell people how to vote. They won't listen to me. They shouldn't listen to me. Right, and, but and he, he said that. We quote him on our website. Right, right, right. And and he's never he's never said my supporters must vote for Hillary. He's never said that. But he right. still has said continually, and he you know, he said I support Hillary Clinton, and I we must elect Hillary Clinton. But there is, but that does not tell. That does not tell any individual supporter how to exactly make that happen. It's up to them on how to make that happen. So in that right. way is a really delicate balance of of doing what he feels needs to be done, which is elect Hillary Clinton, and doing it in such a way that does not throw anyone under the bus. Or yeah, he's, uh, he's very concerned, obviously, about uh, Donald Trump. He, he wants to make sure Trump's not elected, which is great, because that takes Trump off our plate, allows us to focus on defeating Hillary Clinton. See, he, he is, like most other Americans, locked inside the uh, two-party prison. But that letter, and I, and I said this in, in, our, in my speech at the Bernie or Bush rally, the letter, and I held this letter up to show people, this letter that we sent to superdelegates liberates us. It's our key to get out of the two-party prison because if we vote green and Trump ends up getting elected, that's not on us. 
That's on the superdelegates. They're the ones who chose to nominate a candidate we absolutely refuse to, to get behind. So it's, it, it's on them. If Trump ends up somehow winning this election, which is not at all likely, it, it's not our fault. We told them what our plans were. The superdelegates' job is not to rubber stamp the uh, results of the primary. Their job is to pick the candidate with the best shot of winning, and they didn't do that. You know, so if they're going to uh, just give up on what they're what they're supposed to be doing, if they're going to just uh, you know, their election of duty is the phrase I use. If they're just going to blow their job as superdelegates and nominate the, the most corrupt warmonger uh, in my lifetime. If, if that's what they're going to do is nominate a, a candidate that progressives can't get behind, that's on them. That's the, They can't turn around and blame us because we support and work to build the Green Party candidate um, and, and that gets Trump elected. That, that's on them. I interpret the superdelegate thing differently, um, where they're rubber stamping. But what are they rubber stamping? They're really they're validating the corrupt system. They're rubber stamping not just Hillary Clinton, the Democratic nominee. They're rubber stamping the corrupt system. They're, you know, a lot of these superdelegates committed their support to Hillary Clinton long before Bernie Sanders ever entered the race. A significant number of them had, I don't want to say definitely paid off because I don't know the exact details, but I think there's a lot of implications of uh, superdelegates being effectively quid pro quo to vote for Hillary Clinton. Um, but or also, something close to it, yeah. Yeah, and I don't know the exact details, but I have heard this a number of times by reason. I believe it's true. But there's also, I can't say that there was election fraud, because I don't know that for sure. But according to the Election Justice USA full report and, and uh, uh, other supplemental reports, uh, it certainly suggests that there was some serious concerns that at the very least are very worthy of investigating further. And to treat this election as if it was completely legitimate without any even mention of possible, uh, you know, just questionable things that happened, that says, that says it all. That says the most, you know, that Hillary Clinton says, the New York voters chose me without any hint of that there were issues in New York, let alone Arizona, let alone Puerto Rico, let alone Rhode Island, and California. You know, that says a lot. Um, and, that, and I see it, I see the superdelegates as rubber stamping all of that. Yeah, they did. I mean, the party is basically in bed with Wall Street and has been since Bill Clinton sold the executive branch of the Democratic Party to Wall Street. So, you know, it's, it's not a party of the people anymore. They, they talk a nice story, but they're 
basically in bed with Wall Street. It is the party of neoliberalism, not populism. And there's really no reason to, to stay with that party any longer. A lot of people have a loyalty to it, I guess, because they haven't figured it out yet. But um, there's really, I can't think of any reason at this point why um, a, Bernie, a Bernie supporter would ever vote for Hillary Clinton. Uh, let, let, let's just, let me address the fear issue for a second, because that tends to be uh, the primary motive. I, I'm constantly tweeting Overman, who's constantly attacking Donald Trump, you know, and I, I tell him, I'd like to see you defend Hillary Clinton without mentioning Donald Trump. And he, he can't. I, I don't think anybody can. She's a warmonger, and she's a dangerous neoliberal. I believe when it comes to fear, and, and Jill Stein alluded to this at the town hall on CNN, I believe Hillary Clinton is actually more dangerous than Donald Trump, both in the short run and the long run. In the short run, you know, she, she's the hawk, hawk. She's John McCain in a pantsuit. And, and she and FBI Director Comey pointed out that she's extremely careless with classified information. And, and how many times does a candidate have to say, I made a mistake over this issue or that issue, before you realize this is not the best person you want as commander-in-chief. Well, so Hillary, she's Hillary Clinton, you can't, you can't argue with Hillary Clinton's hindsight. She has got some really, really sharp hindsight. Right, yeah. And, uh, and that's not going to stop a nuclear war. So the other problem with Hillary Clinton, and this is what makes her more dangerous than Trump in the long run, Trump's going to nominate some horrible uh, candidates or nominees Supreme Court, no question about it. But ultimately, they will die off, and their Supreme Court decisions, whatever comes forward, will get overturned, just like eventually Citizens United will get overturned. But despite her denials, especially lately when she says, I oppose the CPP now, and I'll oppose the CPP as president, I don't believe her. And there's good reasons to not believe her. Um, She'll make up some excuse as president why she'll flip-flop on that issue again and, 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 and put this thing into motion. And the she CPP... Yes, she won't, yeah, won't flip-flop on it. She never said that she was totally against it. She said she was against how it is currently written. So she could yeah. do some minor tweak and say that now she's happy with it and shove it down her throat. Well, what she'll do is she'll put it into effect and, and then she'll say, I'll, I'll try to get a couple chapters renegotiated. Yeah, no, CPP is the name of the very first night that she'll plunge into the back of her supporters. And I don't mean her Wall Street supporters. They want this thing. I mean, you know, the, these working class, the middle class Democrats who are going to be voting for her, that's, that's the night, first night she'll plunge into their back. Uh, well, well, the, the and, and it's very, very dangerous. What, what makes the TPP more dangerous than any Supreme Court nominee and any of their decisions that Trump might put into position, there's no exit from this thing. It, 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 it will change democratic self-government into corporate self-government, which has to be, you know, causing the framers of our Constitution to spin in a grave. And 
and it's permanent. There's there's no getting around it. it, it it's just going to go on until somebody like a Donald Trump or a Bernie Sanders on the left runs for president on the platform of, of getting out of the TPP, and then we'll go through some American equivalent of, of, of Brexit, which is also going to be calamitous to the market. So I just think Hillary Clinton represents a continuation of globalization, which which is a euphemism for the corporatization of everything. And in this case, they're actually coming after our very form of government. So right. I just think these neoliberals are more dangerous than, than Trump's fascistic nationalism in the long run. I, I, I agree with much of what you said. I want to bring it back to Bernie or Bust itself as opposed to just uh, Hillary Clinton, which is, um, I, I don't know if you know this, uh, I'm not Bernie or Bust. Uh, I'm not saying that I'm definitely voting for Hillary, but I'm, I am considering it. Um, but uh, the TPP is a deal breaker for me. Because the TPP, as you suggested, is not a law of our country. It is a law of the super government of our country. It is above all three branches of our government. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it puts these laws out of our, the reach of the Supreme Court. So it is truly above the Supreme Court. And the scariest part for me, aside from the trade deals, is... The, that it eliminates freedom of speech on the internet effectively, and that that law is put into a super government. Uh, so that's what the people in the government want, so they don't have to deal with people like Bernie or Sanders or his supporters again, because the internet is what gave Bernie Sanders his shot and his supporters. Well, the internet certainly is what made Bernie or Bust take off. We we did this thing. We built a movement of billions of people on a shoestring budget. Right, and we did it through. We did it because the idea was popular, and, and as people took the Bernie or Bus pledge, we reached out to them and asked them to become volunteers to promote the Bernie or Bus pledge. So this is a, and it was all done basically on social media. So I mean, all of Bernie yeah, it, was successful because of social media, and right, and so so I'm not personally Bernie or Bus. And I, I, I don't say definitely that I'm voting for Hillary Clinton because I just said that TPP is my deal, bar, deal breaker. Um, so it's, that sort of implies that I'm not voting for her, but I, I just that – is, that is what's most important to me is the TPP. And when I get to November, I'll decide what I want to do. Um, but I've heard people – I mean, you, you guys have been pretty much blamed in advance for Donald Trump winning that if Donald Trump wins, it's your fault. It's not Hillary Clinton's fault. It's your fault. And Jimmy well, Dore... Super delicate fault. That was well, my whole point. That's, Democrat, that, that's, why, that's why we sent that letter out, because it, it, it relieves us of, of any blame. Right? It was up to them to choose Bernie Sanders, and they chose Hillary Clinton, so they can't blame us, knowing in advance that we were going to be attacking Hillary Clinton in swing states uh, running ads on television in support of Joe Stein. They knew this, and well, they still chose Hillary Clinton over right. Bernie Sanders. Right. So they can't blame us. That's on, that's on the superdelegates. Well, it's on the Democratic Party, and superdelegates are a big tool of, of, this, of the Democratic Party. 
that's pretty loud sitting here somewhere. So that's yeah, well, at the end of the day, when it came down to it, it was the superdelegates vote during the convention that uh, basically turned us away from uh, party unity and, and divided the American left. We're trying to build now the, the free party because it's the only party in opposition to this corporatization of, of our government. Yeah, so... so I hear a lot of people blaming you guys, and I, there's a show from Jimmy Dore, the Jimmy Dore show, uh, who yeah. is one of the correspondents on TYP. He has his own show, and he had one segment of "Don't be bullied by Hillary Clinton," and he put out a tweet of, "In when in history have the constituents have the voters been blamed for a presidential candidate losing?" And that's right. that's pretty absurd. But and that's but that's what they're setting you up for. That's what the Democratic Party is setting you up for. That if Trump wins, that it's the Bernie or Buster's fault. And it, but in my point of view, you guys didn't leave the party. The party left you guys. And you're right. not voting for Hillary Clinton is not is not because you're just you want Trump. It's because Hillary Clinton and the Democratic Party are doing zero to try and actually earn your vote. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's but, pretty evident she's moving to the center, and she's, she is trying to get the votes of Republicans. She's got neoconservatives supporting her uh, pretty widely. So, and, and that's what she needs. She doesn't need us. She needs Republicans because she is a Republican. Well, she's, take, she's certainly taking the risk that she doesn't need you guys. Um, and... And I would argue that she's not moving to the center. She's revealing that she's always been at the center, but it's sort of the same thing. Um, uh, I want to I want to ask your opinion of voting down ticket. Um, I know you you personally are into Jill Stein. I personally am not very uh, jazzed by her. I, I mean, I definitely appreciate that her views are very much. Uh, in line with Bernie Sanders, at least significantly, um, but just her as a personality, just something is really missing for me. Um, but what is your view of voting down ticket? Um, so you want to vote for? Joe yeah, Sanders. I covered this during the. Uh, I covered this during the rally. The idea, the concept, came to me from um, a post I saw on <clears throat> Ring of Fire talking about busing responsibly, and I and I picked up on that. Uh, this fight, because the superdelegates chose uh, Trump, in our view, over Sanders, this might very well end up getting Trump elected. To do this right, we have to keep in mind we need to stop Trump if he, is, if he does get elected. And the way to do that, in my view, is for the U.S. Senate, vote blue no matter who, with one exception. <laughs> And that, that exception is a Green Party uh, candidate in Maryland named Margaret Flowers. She's uh, a key organizer behind stopping the TPP. She's been with Popular Resistance, which is an offshoot from of, of uh, Occupy Wall Street. She's a brilliant person. She's got a Ph.D. And... Um, so she's the one exception to the vote blue no matter who in the Senate because we, in case in case Trump does get elected, and I, I just don't see that happening, um, 
then a blue Senate will stop his worst uh, court nominees. It'll stop his worst initiatives. That's the, what we basically are calling for is um, four more years of nothing getting done. Because if Trump's the president, you want nothing getting done. Right. I mean, now, in, in the House, in the House, uh, we have a different approach, which is basically to throw out every uh, Democrat who endorsed Hillary Clinton. That leaves two incumbents who are safe the chairman of the Progressive Caucus, Ellison and Giava out of Arizona. Those are safe incumbents from our view. Um, as far as all the rest of the, of the Democrats, the incumbent Democrats, vote them out of office. Just get rid of them. If there's okay. a Green Party candidate, that's a great option. If there's a Bernie crap running as a challenger, that's a good option. So in my case, I've got a Republican I'm not going to vote for, and I've got a challenger who endorsed Hillary Clinton, and I'm not going to vote for him either. So unless there's a Green Party candidate who pops up that I'm not aware of at this point, I'm going to leave that line blank. I'm just not going to vote for the House of Representatives come November 8th. So the whole idea is to make the... Uh, make the house as green as possible and if if that doesn't work then we're going to make the house even more red than it already is so a blue senate is how we stop Donald Trump and a very red house is how you stop Hillary Clinton I'm curious I mean that's good you're answering my question about going down ticket um, I'm curious you say you don't think Trump is going to win but doesn't that no. sort of go against your doesn't that sort of go against the whole concept of Bernie or Bust that they need you guys in order to win so they better start trying to get your vote? Who? You said you don't think Trump is gonna win. You think Hillary's gonna I win. Don't. And so that I implies do. that implies that they don't need Democrats don't need the Bernie or Busters in order to win. That's and correct. So so that that's, I mean, is that? Do you see that as a, as a negative thing? Do you see that as? Uh, I see. I see the whole system that we have today as a negative thing. Um, I, I don't think Trump's going to win for a variety of reasons. He's not trying to win for starters, right? He's still talking to his base when he should be trying to reach out for undecided voters. He's not. He's still talking to his base. Almost everything he says. Is the type of things he would say when he was trying to win the nomination. I mean, he's campaigning in Connecticut with four electoral college votes. What's he doing in Connecticut, a very, very blue state? If he's going to campaign in a blue state, he should campaign in New York or California and at least make the effort worth his time. He's not trying to win. And I think that might be because he's a plant. I think it, it, he and the Clintons have a deal worked out where he's going to win the nomination, and, and then lose the general election. To make Hillary Clinton very, very good. The only person in so the world doesn't matter. Hillary Clinton look good. Donald Trump, yeah. Uh, and even then, I wouldn't say look good, just better than a fascist. And as far as I'm concerned, she's not. She's, she's a dangerous neoliberal. Right, right. 
Uh, yeah, you guys came up quite a lot, uh, and I'm really glad to have your um, your perspective on it as someone who's been so involved in the movement. Um, is the, the regarding the ballot thing uh, about if you write in Bernie Sanders in California, for example, if he's not registered to be right inable to be right, written in, that it invalidates your entire ballot? Is that just it's on a state by state? basis on what the rules are, or is that a nationwide kind of a thing? No, it's a state-by-state -state, uh, consideration. There's only, as I understand it, 10 states where it's safe to write in a candidate who's not registered as such. However, doing so is a wasted opportunity. Right? You have a chance to cast a revolutionary vote. You can protest. Writing in a candidate who's not registered as a write-in candidate is a protest vote. You can protest 365 days a year, every year, but you can cast a revolutionary vote at the executive branch of government once, once every four years. So if you turn, use that opportunity or waste that opportunity to, to cast a protest vote, uh, it, 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 it's just it's selfish. Right? You, you want to protest, you want to vote for Bernie Sanders, come hell or high water, you're going to do it regardless of the consequences or regardless of the, uh, of the fact that, he'll, that someone like uh, Jill Stein both wants and needs your vote, a revolutionary vote. It's really an act of selfishness. So I, I, I have come to the turn, I've turned around our whole original approach of the writing campaign and have decided that it's really just a, a wasted opportunity, and, and I strongly uh, discourage it. And how do you address that to people? And, and I, I don't think that this is true, but certainly people would say that, that a lot, some, certainly a lot of the Democratic Party would say that a, for Jill Stein is a wasted vote because she clearly has no chance of winning. Well, we don't consider that to be the case at all. Uh, as far as we're concerned, the spoiler in this election will be Hillary Clinton. Because there's because basically what we've got, the Democrats have put forward a Republican. The Republicans have put forward a fascist. The Libertarians are, put, are putting forward a pro-TPP corporate fascist. And, that's, and, and TPP is corporate fascism. And that leaves one candidate who's, who, who's worthy of, of votes of feminists, and liberals and progressives and even independents who are concerned about money and politics. So there's there's one candidate. Hillary Clinton is, is the uh, is the uh, spoiler in this in this race because there's only one candidate worth supporting if if you are uh, progressive or liberal or feminist or even moderate independent concerned about money and politics. There's only right. one candidate who who will address that. So they can frame their their uh, language of who's spoiling what any way they want. But they had the opportunity. They could have united the Democratic Party, and we would be in the Democratic Party. We would be working to stop Donald Trump if the nominee were Bernie Sanders. But they chose they chose to lose the general election. They spoiled their own chances. Right. I mean, and, and, if they had any candidate that you could actually vote your conscience for, and Bernie Sanders happens to be one of those candidates, then you would have absolutely no problem doing it. You, so Bernie you Sanders for, was the only candidate. Of course. This you need a revolution. revolution. That's true. This, 
this election cycle, Bernie Sanders was the only candidate that you could vote your constituent for on the Democratic Party, certainly. But it's just, but it's the concept of you are going to vote your conscience. You're going to vote your conscience. And the only way that you can vote your conscience right now, you personally, and a lot of people like you, is to vote Jill Stein. Because you, you feel good about that vote. You feel like it would be a good thing for your future and the country's future. So nothing like that could be a spoiler. I mean, writing in Bernie Sanders is not really necessarily voting your conscience because Bernie Sanders clearly is not going to be president. Um, right. He doesn't want your vote. Right. Right. So it's a protest vote as opposed to Jill, which in a way is a protest vote, but it really is a vote a, a vote for someone. So I understand that. Yeah, we don't consider it a protest vote. I mean, if you were an abolitionist in uh, 18, what was it, 54, 58, 1860, whatever it was, was was casting a vote for Abraham Lincoln a protest vote? Right. So to give that context, he was the first third-party president elected and also the first Republican president elected. And he's also elected. The last uh, third-party uh, candidate to get elected because the Republicans became the second party and the Whigs, of course, ended up in the ash can of history where we're aiming to uh, deposit the Democratic Party. Right. Well, that's great. Um, and it's, uh, do... I think that's great, and, and I'm really glad to get your perspective uh, on Bernie or Bust because I got a lot of opinions of uh, delegates, and they're all generally supportive of you as, as long as you vote your conscience, as long as you vote your conscience. And that is does seem to be the philosophy of Bernie or Bust. Um, the, the one thing that I would not approve of is just not voting. Um, and voting for writing in Bernie Sanders, I don't know. I don't know what I really feel about that. Uh, so, well, there's another thing that uh, we're, we're pretty strongly against as well, which is voting for Trump. There are people out there who are basically throwing a temper tantrum, right? They wanted Bernie Sanders. They're not getting Bernie Sanders. So out of anger, they're going to vote for Trump and try to make – because they, they they are so opposed to Hillary Clinton. They, they want to prefer Trump. They want to blow shit up real good. I guess. Yeah. All right, well, Victor, uh, I really appreciate your input, and uh, and I'm glad you ended up having an opportunity to, to speak to people. I actually have not seen it yet because I've just – I'm going through my own footage, <laughs> and there's a lot. Uh, I look forward to seeing your speech. I'm probably going to add it to this, to this article. Um, so uh, thank you. Thank you for all your organizing and uh, being a pretty important part of this revolution, really. Yeah, well, thanks for this opportunity to uh, explain where where we are now that uh, we're in the or bust stage of, of of this revolution. Right, right. So, what, so let's let's just close by saying by asking you, uh, what do you see happening in November? Well, there's a lot of needs to happen between now and then, but I see uh, Jill Stein winning a plurality of the votes and then getting robbed by machines that end up electing Hillary Clinton. Wow. Wow. I mean, that says a lot for someone who is currently approximately 5 or 6% in the polls at the moment. 
and she's well, we have a lot of work to do. We're having conference calls, and, and we're getting ready to build the Green Party into a, a strong national party. In fact, I, I just reached out to Green Party in New York uh, today, and probably I'm going to be uh, chairing or organizing a uh, a branch of the Green Party here in Ithaca, New York. Nice. Nice. All right. Well, I wish you the best of luck, and... Uh Hopefully, talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks for the, the, this opportunity. Thank you, Victor. I'll talk to you later. You're welcome. All right. Bye-bye.